Alrighty, and welcome aboard to the Tally SC Talk, the official podcast of the Tallahassee Soccer Club. Of course, the capital city's own semi-professional soccer team. Of course, I'm Andrew Jupe, alongside my boy Trent Young, bringing you the action here. Episode 25 on the podcast. Trent, how are we doing today, big dog? Excellent, Jupe. Thanks for having me back, man. Excited to talk about the Southern States game. That was a big one, and we've got an even bigger one this Saturday. Another 8-5-0 Cup match against the Florida Roots, and this time it'll be on our own turf at the Gene Cox Stadium. So just excited to get back out there to the Gene, and hopefully we can come away with three much-needed points, man. Absolutely. Everybody knows the A50 Cup just means more, Trent. Of course, it's part of a big program we have today. We're going to recap Southern States, like you said, Trent. Get to our stars of the game. Who impressed? Who wowed? Who had the action going on last Saturday? And then we're going to get to the A50 recap, like you said, and we'll preview a little roots behind enemy lines. Of course, it's part of a big program we have today. So come right back with us on the other side of the break. All right, and we're back. Of course, TSC coming off a 2-0 defeat to Southern States, of course, from match day four. Still sitting at two points here, just over a quarter of the way through the season. So Trent hosted Southern States, obviously an improved result from last year, losing 2-0 as opposed to 3-0. So even in that regard, potentially little progress, which we'll get to, but a fully loaded question I bring to you now, Trent, is... Southern States, the match versus TSC, man. Thoughts? Yeah, Jupe, that was a very physical, gritty, chippy match all the way through. Almost 100 minutes we played, probably over 100 minutes if you take into account first half stoppage and second half stoppage. We had almost 10 minutes there in the second half alone. So uh, a lot of football there uh, as opposed to just a regular 90-minute match. But uh, very physical game, uh, a lot of contact throughout and, uh, TSC uh, unfortunately got some tough breaks. There was a penalty kick in stoppage time in the first half that uh, Southern States got that resulted in a goal for them. They went up 1-0 into the break at the half. And then uh, Mike Samore actually gets injured, goes down, and is on the ground in the second half. And they funneled the attack through his side. Uh, obviously, he's an outside back, so they just come through that side. And Shepard, the forward, cuts it back onto his left foot. And, I mean, it was a beautiful strike up for 90. Nothing Bosco Perry could do on either one of those, really. So, some tough breaks there for TSC. But, uh, you know, honestly, if you take those two out of it, I think it would have been a nil-nil draw and a very well-fought match from TSC. We didn't have many shots on goal, unfortunately, that kind of capped our chances offensively. But uh, other than that, possession-wise and, and everything, I thought we did very well defensively against Southern States in their attack. There you go. There you go. Absolutely. So, of course, brought up some big issues that we kind of glazed over here. Um, of course, some ongoing themes. Trent, uh, of course, the stuff against TSC as far as the referee. Um, we have, of course, talked about it, you know, in the broadcast. is like there's always that fine line, right, between – what you expect there's the human error part of it you expect you know at this league it's really tough because these players are essentially playing on a collegiate level and a a serious level and so it's really just tough to keep up with the players physically as there's so much going on uh Trent but um so you said that uh, we had a little bit of an impact here from the referees what was the biggest moment or the biggest kind of egregious 
um, circumstance that you thought that came to mind um, since I know you brought it up? Would it be that penalty kick or was there something else or would it be the Zamor? Because um, those were your two points of emphasis there. Yeah, I mean, it's really a toss-up between the two, I think, that you just mentioned. But if I had to go between the two, it was a real bang-bang play on that handball that was called. Uh, that's what resulted in the PK in the stoppage time of the first half. So I feel like that could go either way. In the in the replay, I slowed it down on YouTube. You can put it to like 25% playback speed, so you can really get a good angle at it, obviously, live. The refs don't have that advantage. There's no replay in this league, unfortunately. But it definitely did appear that Austin Lee, who the PK was called against, had both of his hands behind his back. So, therefore, it would be, in theory, impossible for him to commit a handball. And uh, after it was called, he went up to the ref and was lifting his shirt up and showing him where the ball impacted him. And uh, left a well on his body and, and was trying to plead his case that way. Uh, but honestly, between the two, though, I actually think that the Zamor one was was harder to swallow because there was an elbow or a forearm to the back of the head or to the neck, and you see him on the ground writhing, holding his head for 30, 45 seconds before play is stopped, and it's only stopped because Southern States is actually able to put a goal in the back of the net, really. So. Um, he, he wasn't able to get medical attention for near 60 seconds after he, you know, potentially could have got a concussion. And obviously player safety should be the forefront of, of all these games, no matter what the outcome is for either team. Uh, the refs should have that in mind. And, and I'm sure they do, but it definitely went unnoticed there, at least uh, in the second half when Mike went down. Yeah, for sure. So there's a couple of frustrating instances of sure. Um, so you think about the penalty kick, obviously, like you said, bang, bang, play. And to me... Ah, it's tough. But at the same time, Trent, we know now TSC will be getting a penalty kick <laughs> called against every single game. Every um, game. So maybe it's on us, Trent, and we should wear that and we should own that and just be like, okay, well, where's the justifiable time that it could potentially occur? And Trent, we don't say this out of bitterness, though maybe we do say it out of bitterness, Trent. Um of course, this is a TSC podcast, so let's throw that out there. Much like the broadcast is a hometown radio broadcast, Trent. Um, so with that framing in mind, but the evidence is there. We've had four games. Every single game, the opponent has been awarded a penalty. So take that as you may. Um, and going forward, yeah, this is more absolutely brutal. Um so I want to frame this as, hey, if these two instances get called or Southern States don't get goals, I'm not under the assumption, and this is just me speaking personally, I'm not under the assumption that it ends up as a 0-0 tie. Um, because you can't just like take, soccer is so free-flowing and everything impacts everything so much, I'm not under the implication that that automatically is the result. Um, because so many things change. You think about the New Orleans game. You can't automatically assume that if Grant Wallum didn't save that goal last year that New Orleans goes on and wins because if they score, TSC could still respond and go extra incentive to go after the goal and could still save the tie. So like things like that, like game pace and game script are, are so determined. So I'm not convinced that it would have been a tie. Obviously, it could have been. Not that I know much, but of course, those two goals just hard to swallow. And like you think, there's some more. And I agree with you. The Zamora is, is definitely more frustrating. You see the player come in, bam, there's it appears to be contact to the head. Play goes on. It cycles around. 
and comes back, and the, the goal comes from his side. There's even an instance where TSC clears it out. They're trying to get rid of it just to clear it so that they will pull it back because there was an instance where Southern States lost the advantage. If you're playing a clear advantage in the flow of the game, there's no written rule that says, hey, pull it back. But with the MPSL emphasis on concussions, you know they have the separate protocol for the substitutions, and the same referee crew last week pulled it back twice for Pensacola that had potential head injuries. Of course, it didn't seem to be serious, but precedent had been set as of last week. Same league, same team, same crew to pull it back. Like, hey guys, let's be safe. Let's check out this head injury. We have this special policy. We're always talking about player safety, and we're trying to do different things to make the players safe. You know, we're playing in the brutal hot summer in the state of Florida. So what do we do? We've got water breaks that we have the opportunity to take on desperately hot days. Player safety. That's not just so everybody can catch a breather because these guys are out of shape because that's the opposite from that. But it was unfortunate to see the un, let's say, let's see, lack of parallels. Inconsistency is kind of what I'm frustrated with. Um, so once again, not blaming the result on the referees, but these are things you have to take into account, you know? Like, if I'm running late to work and there's a car accident that makes me more late to work, I can say, hey, this made me more late for work. I can't say it was the reason I was late for work because I was running late, Trent, but it did not help the cause, if that makes sense. And so once again, the referees are not a scapegoat, but these are things we're going to bring up, man. And these are things... Items of the discussion. This is what the purpose of the podcast, right, is to break it down, recap it, tell the TSC people in a TSC mind frame what's up, what we think, and what's, you know, kind of giving bigger zoom into these issues. As this was a, you know, hot button topic, we saw social media just blowing up over the weekend, Trent. So these are items you can't shy away from. Um, but of course, a frustrating result. But Trent, to your, to your point, kind of going back with it, I know I'm on basically what seems like a monologue here as I'm hijacking this this joint-hosted podcast, Trent. But um, I think the story of both of the goals, so both under questionable circumstances, right? But, I mean, the finish was undeniable. I mean, Mario, if it's a quarter ball to the right, Bosco saves it. This is on the penalty kick, for those who are referencing. Uh, this is in stoppage time in the first half. So once again, a backbreaker. We talked about it, Trent, all off season, early in the season, like TSC, right before the half, letting up goal. So that was just a heartbreaker. Because if you go into a locker room 0-0, like we said, this is a totally different complexion oh, yeah. of the ball game. And um, so I think that changes it dramatically. But, of course, we talked about it. Back to the penalty kick, Murillo. If it's a quarter ball to the right, Bosco says it. If it's a quarter ball to the left, it did bounce off the post, but this one bounces out. And um, whether they can cash in the rebound or whatever, you know, it's to be determined. But, man, just an absolute diamond. And same thing with Shever. Puts it back on his left. Boom, top 90. So we're not taking away anything away from them. Um, I'm personally not saying that it would necessarily think it was a tie had these two things not occurred. But these are all kind of adding up. To the situation, frustrating for TSC, obviously, week after week to have to save penalties. Um, and we can see it, right? What do we talk about? Potentially uh, penalty kicks, 80 at least percent conversion. Uh, currently, we're sitting at 75%. Obviously, Bosco with the big save. So even against those odds, uh, TSC finding a way to battle through, man. 
every game, every uh, <laughs> penalty kick, you know, it just brings us closer to, you know, be- becoming a better team, man. You know, it's, it's tough to swallow now, but it, it's got to be building character. And I know Bruno's looking for the silver lining and all of this, right? Mm-hmm. You know, he's looking for a chance to, to unite these guys and bring them together and make them as strong as they possibly can as an entire 18-man cohesive unit. So, um, you know, it's difficult, it's frustrating, but, you know, I kind of like the way you framed that. If we just go into every game already knowing that we're going to give up a penalty kick, if, if you know you're going to get disappointed, then you can't be disappointed, you know? You, <laughs> well, you're already you expecting it. So, yeah, I, I think that's a good way to go into it. And, and, yeah, I guess every week on our podcast, we'll just break down our weekly PK and – That'll be it, man. That's what we need. Okay, new segment. We'll do it at the end or somewhere maybe in the middle. We'll work or workshop it, right? So the 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 TSC penalty kick allowed of the week, and we can just break it down. We'll talk about the action. Um, but so we talked about it, right? We've had a couple different discussions as far as the penalty kicks here this season. Um, I think Jacksonville, we both agree, penalty warranted, right? Referee's good call. See, we're not just like totally unrelenting TSC homers or unable to have some perspective. Like, Jacksonville won, yeah. Um, And then, obviously, Pensacola won, no, last week. Um, Where are you percentage-wise? Because there's a lot of gray area. It's not super black and white. Um, 100%, we'll we'll do it percentage agreeing with the referee. So, 100%, you totally agree with them. 0%, you couldn't disagree more as far as the penalty here versus Southern States. Where do you lie on that spectrum? Uh, I would probably say 25, um, uh, like 10%. Only because, so when that play happens, the center ref as the play is building up and the ball goes into the corner onto the touchline and it's being brought into the box from Mario, the center ref is at the 35 yard line. He jogs to about the 20, 25 yard line. And then he stops. He doesn't move a muscle. He just stands there. He's nowhere near the play. The closest ref is actually the side ref. And when the call is made, the side ref actually calls him over and it appears that he's disagreeing with him and trying to, you know, make a case that it, it probably shouldn't be a penalty case. <laughs> And the center ref just shakes it off and, and goes over to the spot. And that's when Austin Lee's like, dude, are you kidding me? Look at my freaking chest. I have a, a huge ball mark right here on it. And, uh, you know, to no avail. So difficult, but, uh, yeah, I say only probably 10% chance. Cause like, like I said earlier, I, I slowed it down. I zoomed in and I was looking and he had both of his hands behind his back. And if it did hit his arm, I mean, he had his hands behind his back trying to, to keep them out of the way. So you can't call a, a handball on that. That's indirect, right? So that that's what's really frustrating about the whole thing is I just really don't see a way that it can add up to a penalty kick. Um, but again, you know, we don't have the best cameras. We don't have the best camera angles. No instant replay. Don't have a gold cam down there, unfortunately. So uh, No VAR. Yeah, yeah. We'll just have to chalk it up Yet. to uh, – to our discretion but yeah I'll, I'll stick with 10 percent. what about you what do you give it yeah i mean it's tough because it's that area of the forearm and where do you fall and in the box like everything's under a microscope um i fall below 50 percent, so i would disagree obviously you're a hard super disagree there with the 10 percent. i would say disagree maybe get me at like 35 to 40 because uh, to me penalty's got to be no doubt right it's got to be beyond reasonable doubt so you got to be past like that 75 percent threshold at least to me obviously take that as you may i know there's a lot of open interpretation to that but to me it wasn't there um 
and the ball still dropped in the box with an opportunity. It didn't have the motion because the ball just died, right? It wasn't like bouncing off of a forearm that it skipped off or skipped down. It was like a boom, eat it, drop, like a chest, like a side, like a, you know, a not a rib shot, but like, you know, abdominal shot there. And that's why the, at least the, we talk about the physics, right? We talk about the physics of the first one, how that dictated, yeah, it probably was a penalty. We dictated the physics of the second one, like, no way. And so I think we're right on kind of that same line. I don't feel as strongly as I do about the other two either way, uh, but I think that's a tough call. Um, but once again, now it's to be expected. Frame it up. <laughs> Frame it up. But, uh, yeah, Trent, I guess so any sp- – that's kind of big picture. Uh, we've kind of gone into that and our kind of gripes. And I feel like we've framed that, you know, as I give ourselves a pat on the back, I feel like we've framed that well. Like, hey, this is something to be pointed out, but we're not making excuses for it. But these are things that impact the thought of play. Any further comments on here, Trent, as obviously given the situation in the games, like there's there's nothing that can be done. We're, we can't go revisionist history. It's not going to change anything, blah, blah, blah. doesn't really serve much, obviously, outside of an airing of grievances and, like we said, reflecting and giving the people of the TSC community kind of some perspective of what we see on that. But I guess any comments kind of in this realm of the frustrations here um, in the Southern States game? That is essentially it. Uh, the only thing I could really think of was – I thought the uh, the foul that occurred on Justin June that caused him to react to get a yellow card, I thought that was pretty ridiculous. Like you said, the ball was out, you know, five or ten yards, and June's going over to the sideline to get the ball, and he gets shoved into a fence. I mean, I, I thought that could have actually probably warranted a straight red, if I'm being honest. But, uh, yeah, it was tough. Uh, again, it was a very physical match, and, uh, you know, the, the guys play hard throughout. So, I, you know, I hope that they can keep their heads held high and, and go into this next game taking something away from it because obviously they played a top two team in the league at Southern States has only lost to Jacksonville. Who's, you know, another perennial power in this league every year. So it's Southern States and Jacksonville's league currently. So, you know, we, we can almost expect to lose, you know, both games to them every time. So that's why that draw against Jacksonville was so big. And that's why my narrative is, Oh, if we don't give those two BS goals up, then, you know, we could have drawn with them just because it would have been such a big deal, but you know, you did make a good point. It, it is so free-flowing and so much does change. Because, again, like you said, even if we go into the half, 0-0, zero, zero, completely different game. Maybe we're taking more chances um, offensively and, and, and trying to get a goal as opposed to sitting back and trying to keep that draw, you know. So, who knows? It's a game of inches. But, uh, yeah, tough game Saturday. Hopefully uh, we'll get a little easier go at it this Saturday, man. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And just kind of a commentary, like that's kind of their game, right? Southern States is, I think last week was kind of an exception, how they just buried New Orleans. Um, But you're not, and you use last year as a sample size, a super successful season for them. Very rarely um, did they pull away and bury teams. It's not their game. They're not, um, you think about the teams who are kind of high-flying or looking to just legitimately pound you into the ground scoreline wise like they want to demoralize you by scoring a lot of goals the the first two teams that come to mind are Jacksonville and Pensacola and you look at the goals for and that supports that top two teams goals for you know top two teams in the table you know that's not an accident southern states you know they want to play a cleaner more attractive more appealing more counterattack based squad and that's what they did they prodded at instances tried to go at us of course attacking some moments on the counter 
and uh, looking to launch. Trappy in the midfield, build out of that, dump it into the wings, and launch forward. You saw most of their crucial attacks being built around on the perimeter, being swung around, and then going back in. And that's kind of how they were. And, uh, you know, it was always going to be kind of a hard-fought contest here with that. Um, so we talk about the kind of negatives, the uh, the takeaways there. Um, Trent, but there are there some positives for you in this? Um, we kind of had our airing of grievances. You know, <laughs> we kind of talk about the frustrations. Uh, like we said, like Southern States wasn't, at least I, I don't think that they were gifted this game. Um, you know, they still had to go out and finish those goals, but, um, what are some, is there some other end of the spectrum for you, uh, for TSC and not just like, ah, this sucks, blah, 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 you know what I mean? And just, uh, all that jazz. No, of course. So I, I would say that Mike Zamore, especially in the first half of the entire game played phenomenally. I mean, to to not give up a goal in play when Mike's, you know, standing up on the ground as a part of the back line, I, I thought really was impressive because Mason Walsh and, and Maria, those are arguably the two most talented wingers in this whole conference. I mean, those guys can, can pop off for two or three goals any given game just by themselves. So I thought that was really impressive to see the, you know, the clamps, the lockdown defense there from Zamore. Uh, really was impressed by the entire back line. I mean, Chambers, Sam Rabbins, Pierre, Vanuck when he came in for Perez. Perez, when he was playing for the first five minutes before, he got fouled and it didn't get called and got injured after the ball was out. So, yeah, I mean, it was very frustrating because there was there were so many instances where players are going down or, or there's a foul or there's a card here. You know, we even saw the, the coach of Southern States get a card there in the second half. So, um, you know, just just real gritty, hard to find the positives whenever there's so many negatives. But uh, I really like the back line and I thought they played exceptionally well and, and very similar to the back line that we had last season that I thought was uh, you know, they, they just moved very well and they played off of each other very well. They knew each other's strengths and tendencies and they were able to really uh, hone in on, on certain attackers. And, and like I said, put those clamps on and Joey P I'm going to give him a little love too, because he's always dropping back there and, and helping those guys out when they need it most. And even on the uh, counter attack, he's going up there and he played a great ball over to Ryan Don and, and Don unfortunately takes it first time. And obviously anybody taking a shot first time, it's, it's hard to do if you haven't done it, but uh, yeah, it, it goes out of bounds, but it was just incredible vision. I was watching it live thinking, Oh, Peralta hit, hit that. Why hit the through ball, you know, you can find Don <laughs> and uh, he did, but uh, yeah, great game from, from Peralta and, and everybody on that back line. Yeah. And as far as big picture, that's a takeaway from me, Trent, as the positives is I feel like this gets lost. It'll get lost in the complaints or the referees and understandably. So it'll get lost in the loss of the game, but this may be one of the, best TSC performances I've seen to oh, date. Um, I mean, the game plan, the execution, fantastic. Everybody on the same page and communicated with Coach Bruno after the game. I was like, Coach, so, so hard to swallow. But, Coach, I think that's the best coached game I've seen and the best played game I've seen for TSC. And uh, he'd agreed with those sentiments, Trent, but you think about it, obviously huge underdog role for TSC. I don't think we can or did emphasize that enough, but this is one of, if not the best team in the Southeast that we're playing against Southern States with the talent, with the professional facilities and the organization that they have going. 
Um, and TSC is one of the most bare bones, blue collar organizations to contrast that in the league in the Southeast. But the the work effort and the tactics to try to cut things off at the wings and to try to just throw bodies at Walsh at 11 to visibly frustrate him in that first half wasn't getting anything going. You talked about the defense. I don't know whoever was out there. Perez, Zamore, Chambers, Sands Robbins, Pierre, Joey P, Austin Lee, everybody wave after wave after wave, just relentless. And the way they really took that into effect and to keep things out of the midfield and avoid that traffic area that Southern States tried to collapse on them and just sending all of these through. This was done off of film, right? They saw the Southern States game. They're like, hey, this is how New Orleans got shredded. This is how Jacksonville took care of them. How do we merge these ideas? Fantastic game plan. And they play good enough for a draw. And that doesn't really sound like much, but the the separation and the disparity of everything that's going on is a huge accomplishment. I think something that can't be applauded enough, and I want to reiterate is it was unreal to me. And obviously the two tough breaks and it it just guts you for the guys. And I hope that they see it the same way as Coach saw it, Trent, and as we saw it and we talked kind of post-game off air. But just the way that this team played so well and had was so well prepared and did exactly what they wanted to do, minus some of their super key guys, Trent, and yeah. um, still were able to come out here, like you said, on top of everything, right? You didn't have your hands-down best player and team captain, Johnny Fitzgerald. You didn't have one of your better defenders who would have been in this wave of defense. And these guys all practiced, practiced the week of the game, so they were in the game plan. And, um, you know, some two very significant players. And then, of course, Bennett Mitchell getting re-injured, uh, and he was unable to go, of course, during the week. And Bennett Mitchell, one of your fiercer players. Um, but you think about the game plan. You have these scrappy guys in the mix. You talk about having Perez on the back line. You talk about having Corey Osgood, who got his most significant action of the season. He's a grinder, dude. He's going to go, and he's going to chase after it, and he's a physical player. And this is all kind of the big atmosphere you want. You wanted to disturb the game. Shout out to Old Fields. Um, but you wanted to chop it up. It was going to be an ugly game. That's what TSC wanted. They wanted the physicality. They wanted it to be ugly. They didn't want to be dirty. But Southern States wants to play a clean game. So how do you mess up a clean game? You don't try to play your a clean game against Southern States. That's how you get roasted for nothing like New Orleans did. You have to play, and you have to accept that. Because a lot of people are too prideful to play a sloppy American-style long ball game. The TSC is not above <laughs> Trent. And they mucked it up, and they just slopped it up and made it scrappy, so you had to go get it. And that was the game plan. That was intentional. It was a hard watch, Trent, but that was all by design. That didn't happen on accident, and you can contrast that to see the other games of the differences there. But TSC really doubling down on that philosophy and that game plan, and you saw it playing out. There's a reason that in the 44th minute, the game is still 0-0, and that was the game plan get it to halftime, they wanted to, 0-0, and then Trent, have a go at it. Maybe a little more adventurous, maybe try to force some stuff. If you get burned, you know, you go down swinging, right? But that would potentially be an outcome, but the way it dialed up, you fast forward, 15 minutes of game time later, it's not that 0-0 with an opportunity to go chase. You're trying to go after it, cut into the lead, or at least maintain it at 2 nothing because you know now we get into the later parts of the season 
things are tightening up. You got to think about goal differential uh, because realistically, the fourth spot that we're gunning for right now is goal differential could largely be a play to part and something that affected us as we were chasing down teams last year. Um, so, of course, being able to kind of limit that and currently sitting at minus four through four with two points, Trent, not super great, but it could be a lot worse. And you think about them being able to keep it at two nothing. Uh, you see the effort late. They're down two nothing. Ratman's Pierre dives full stretch. I think it's like 86 minute that uh, Walsh has a dunk at the doorstep, but Ratman's Pierre comes across the face of goal. His massive like six four frame sliding <laughs> in, and then it, he just eats it on the leg or the chest somewhere, and so it just dribbles into Bosco. Whereas if he doesn't do that, that's a laser. Walsh probably, based on projection, probably puts it bottom corner, and there's three nothing. And just like moments like that, you know, that you could take away from that I think you can build on your season. So hopefully that is a viewpoint and it's not a demoralizing loss the way it went down, but some positives to be built on that. Because you think about the same thing out in Panama City. You know, it's a three-score game twice, but to be able to get that one back to 4-2, even though you took the L to a team that you feel like you should be more competitive with, and that the 3-0 scoreline at halftime and the 4-2 final is not indicative of where you feel you are and where they are, blah, 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 blah. All that being said, positives, limit the damage, fighting beyond early frustrations, and that team chemistry, that togetherness, that fighting for each other are all positives and something we hope that continues to emerge here. And this isn't a fracturing game, but a come-together game, Trent, because this season is still gettable. It's so, so early. And there's so much still on the table here for this TSC squad. But ran over, my man. Uh, <laughs> anything else here is we want to talk about uh, the Southern States game, or can we move over into our next phase here? Yeah, let's go ahead and uh, slide on over. I know we want to get into the starts of the game. There's <laughs> plenty of other stuff. But, yeah, thanks for joining our monologue section this yeah. week on Talk It's like dueling monologues, dueling pianos <laughs> here. So we're going to give you a break, probably much deserved. Uh, here, come on back for next segment. Stars of the game up next. All right, welcome back to Tally SC Talk. Get into it, our stars of the match. So usually we go back and forth, but Trent, I want all of yours first, big dog. Go bottom to top here for stars of the match versus Southern States. Yeah, Jupe. So I'm actually going to throw you a little wild card. I've got two players for Ooh. my three or my one star man of the match. Um, I'll actually go with Ryan Dot and Corey Osgood. So Ryan Dot. He was rumored to have been joining the military. He wasn't supposed to be here for this game. What a surprise to us, unbeknownst to us. Uh, so that was huge, man. I mean, he's a, a great player. I think he's like a Johnny Fitzgerald Jr. for this team. I mean, he was a monster for the U19s, reigning Big Ben player of the year. And, uh, yeah, I was just very excited to have him back out there. And he obviously contributed early and often throughout the game. So go ahead and, and give it to Don and Corey Osgood. So Corey Osgood obviously isn't getting into as many matches as we would like here on the pod. We're huge Corey Osgood fans, but he got into this one and, and he made his mark. He, he was really putting the pressure on the back line, making them the keeper get rid of the ball and disperse it quicker than they wanted to. And uh, I, I just thought that that really helped out the midfield in the back line and, and kind of let them set up a little bit better and uh, didn't have to be in positions where, you know, now there's a long ball coming over top and they've got to turn and, and, and chase it down. So 
I really like Corey Osgood finding Cy, playing off of Cy and, and uh, Peralta and everybody in the midfield. So I'll give it to Corey Osgood as well. So those are my one-star men of the match. Uh, for my two-star, I'll go with Mike Zamora, somebody we talked about earlier. I thought he played his best game as a battle lion here at Tallahassee. So I'll give it to Mike some more. Um, he had a couple crosses that unfortunately didn't connect, but that's what we love about Mike. He always gives uh, an opportunity to send three to five balls in every game. And there was one that almost dropped and, and fell in the top corner of the goal. There was one that just went out over the, the back of the goal over the touchline and he almost scored. He was trying to send the ball. So love Mike. I uh, wish he would have scored. That would have been awesome. But uh, yeah, just, just love him because he was really shutting down Mason Walsh and Mario. There were times where they would flip flop and, and interchange and they would switch mm-hmm. sides and no let off from Vinuk, from, from uh, Perez, from, from Mike Zamore. So I'll go with them uh, with Mike Zamore actually for my number two. And then for number one, got to give it to Bosco Perry. So, um, you know, quickly becoming one of my favorite players on the team. Uh, Bosco Perry, he actually read Mario's hips and, and guessed right. It was a, a perfect, truly perfect shot that just hits the corner post and, and goes in. And there's nothing any keeper on the face of the earth can do when it's it's placed right there perfectly in the corner. So, you know, I can't hold that against him. But besides that, he's always in the match. He's got the biggest leg that I've seen a keeper in this league have. You know, he can rip it all the way to the 30-yard line. So, Really love Bosco Perry. I, I really love the way he communicates with the back line, and, and I think they've got a, a really good connection going on there. So, Bosco Perry, my three-star man in the match. I'll send it back over to you, Juke. What do you got this week for us? Here you go. I'm going on orthodox. I don't think I've ever done this. Uh, don't usually Uh-oh. like to do it. Well warranted, though. Uh, get my two-star man of the match. I'm skipping one star. There is no one star, but we'll go second wave, right? And I want to give it to Coach Bruno and the coaching staff here, Trent. I want to give it to Coach Bruno, Coach Rico, Coach V, everybody in on the game plan. Fantastic thought process, implementation, and execution for this squad. They put it into place perfectly. They put TSC in a position to compete with Southern States. And I think that will go under the radar. That will be forgotten, and that is unfortunate. But I'm trying to resurrect that. I'm trying to keep that thought going because that's not me just saying this, Trent. I honestly feel that it was a fantastic game plan. And it makes you wonder if other teams will take a a different approach, right, with some higher-profile players and, and some other things and see what they can do against Southern States or whether they'll just try to do what they did last year, which largely did not work. So we'll see. But, of course, to be determined, but I thought that was absolutely fantastic. Give the whole coach and staff two stars, men of the match. And then I'm going to follow suit, dude. So you had your four guys that you talked about uh, that would be your one, two, three-star guys. Give me the other 14, Trent. I love the team effort. There was even a couple guys who didn't hit the field, but the total team approach all on the same page. This team fights for each other. They all went all in and what more can you ask for dude the defense we talked about wave after wave really kind of thwarting their attack only giving them really a couple good chances uh you talked about the scoring opportunities once again we discussed that earlier so if you want to hear that again go back to the beginning of the podcast in the a block and we'll discuss that more um so i buried that but fantastic effort and Man, this was just a really solid effort for the squad. I'm three stars all across. I'm not much for participation trophies, Trent, but I'm going to bend the rules here. Give me 14-way tie here for my three-star man of the match. As you can see, all my guys listed here. So shout-out to the boys. 
we got your back uh, moving forward, Trent. So that's kind of our uh, men of the match. Any any further commentary as we keep this train rolling? <laughs> no, that's great, Chief. I love it. Get everybody involved. I promise I will not do that again the rest of the season. So, Trent, if it happens again, call me out, and uh, Old Fields oh, and all the other lore listeners can uh, dump on me. Then I uh, will do it no more than one time per season. I have used up all of my leeway, all my equity there. Uh, you so get a star. <laughs> star. Star, 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 star. Just like the pillows that are going to be going out this week, which oh, we will talk more about. We will talk more about. Let's keep it stars of the game. Come right on back on the other side of the break. Uh, A5O recap super, super quick on the Dally SC Talk podcast. All right, and we're back here, Tally SC Talk Podcast. A five O game. Nothing's changed in the standings. Um, so you take a look at it. Look at your A five O standings. Trent Pensacola on top of four points. Roots with three. Tally SC, of course, still with the one, just with the tie from Pensacola. Uh, this is the next game in the cup, and then uh, the Roots and Pensacola will play on the twelfth, and then we will play Pensacola going forward here. Uh, Trent, we talked about it, but that's just kind of the update and everything that's going on there. Any further thoughts on the A50 Cup, other than the fact that this just means more here, man? Yeah, we just need three points this weekend. That's just it. So <laughs> hopefully we can just do that. Boom. Open, shut, case. Quickest 850 update ever. Quickest segment ever in Tally SC Talk history. Come back, final frame of action. We're going behind enemy lines. All right, Rapid Fire Podcast here continues. Uh, come in, we're going behind enemy lines, talk about the roots. We told you about them earlier this season. What was it? Backtrack to episode 22, I believe it was, if you want a, another preview of the roots here. Same kind of thing. I think uh, the key lies in the goal scoring. Trent, of course, dropped in the early game 4-2. to two. Um, Got to live that offensive attack and really just a rough go out in Panama City. Um, so to me, I think it's more mental than anything else, but you look at it as we have up here on the screen, uh, Richard Bushmeister, of course, McKenna and McKetrick, some of the new players, all first year guys here, of course, um, some international guys, some division one guys and, and McKetrick, who's just absolutely uh finisher, which we saw, of course, he bagged two against us. Um, I think those are going to kind of be the points of emphasis, trying to limit them and, and play TSC ball and just a little more organized than uh, we were out in Panama City. Looked a little frazzled and unfortunate in our first row game of the year, Trent. Um, and under Coach Rich, we know this is a different this is a different team. Don't expect last year's Roots. This is a much improved Roots team. We've been saying it all year. Go back to the first episode of the year. What was it, 18-19? We've been preaching this mantra. Roots are up. Deal with it. But this is a team we feel like we should compete. And uh, we're trying to take them down. We can possibly jump them this weekend here. Not only a 5 Cup, but table uh, potentially as well. Yeah, Jupe. So obviously you said this is a team who's got a lot of new players in and they were scoring early and often in that last game. They had that penalty kick. We didn't even get to see it. They didn't even have the stream up by the time that they scored that. <laughs> so, you know, it was rough. There was a delay with the refs, and, and you said it was – you thought more mental than anything, and I would agree because the boys are just out on the pitch warming up for like an hour and a half, two hours, just waiting any second for these refs and the roots to roll up. And, you know, there was no communication there. And, and so, you know, I mean, if, if I was playing a soccer game, you know, I, I know that my head wouldn't be all the way in it if that had happened to me beforehand. So, 
Uh, real difficult to shake at it. Obviously, they'll be at home here at the Gene this week, and then uh, we get New Orleans at home again next week. So this could be a, a good point to kickstart the wins, man. We can get them rolling in early and often. So, yeah, we got that brutal stretch where we go, you know, three away games to Jacksonville, to New Orleans, to Southern States. So, uh, yeah, hopefully we'll be able to, to do something against the Roots this year. But, again, like you said, this is not the same Roots team that we were able to beat up on 3 nothing last year. So we're going to have to fight, and, and it's going to be a battle all the way through. Absolutely. Can't forget about big number nine up top as well, Ricardo Smith. He's still a beast. Uh, he still has national team experience for the Jamaican national team. He will be a factor. And you talk about Beasley and some of the other guys, the facilitators here, Trent. Uh, but like we said, One Fresh Pillow is going to be out there. They're going to give away 200 pillows this week. So check out One Fresh Pillow social media for details. They're always blowing up on Twitter. Um, and, uh, of course, they have the Tallahassee Beer Society will be out there with some pregame facilities as well. Old Fields is going to have the tailgate at 5 p.m. Game kickoff, 5 p.m. down at Gene Cox Stadium. Hope to see you there. If not, catch us on the broadcast, Real Talk Radio 93.3 here in the Tallahassee area or TLHsoccer.com right on the front page of the website. You have the live stream. Trent, turn and burn here for episode 25. Any final thoughts, Big Dog, you want to get off your chest? Yeah, just a couple things real quick. So Stay Gold is actually dropping again this week. Proofs Tallahassee Soccer Club beer that they put out every year now. So that's going to be actually released tonight. It's currently Thursday, May 26th that they're dropping that, I believe, at 7 p.m. So, yeah, if uh, you got a chance Friday or Saturday before the game, go over there, get your six-pack or two, and come out there and, and, and share one with the old fields. I'm sure they won't turn it down, but uh, – We've got that, and then there's also a, uh, a pride pin pledge that we've got going on. If you go on our Twitter, I've retweeted a bunch of things about it. Old Fields has been tweeting a bunch of stuff about it. I think they sponsored it. And, uh, you know, Tally uh, SC or the Tallis, Tallahassee Soccer Club official page has been tweeting that out as well. So you can get on there on Instagram and, and find out. You can donate as much as you want, and at the game, you can get your little pride pin and, and show off your Tallahassee pride. So – Feel free to do that. Uh, invest in Tallahassee because they are certainly investing in you, and we're excited to see you guys out there this Saturday, man. There you go. 7 p.m. versus the Roots, a 5 Cup, another home game here in this homestand, tlhsoccerclub.com. Once again, as we get all notable information, schedules, releases, and game streams here. For Andrew Duke, Trent Young, that's episode 25 in the books. We'll see you guys down at the Gene, or we'll talk to you over the broadcast. Thanks for coming aboard. Take care.